You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, and we're off and running. It's Tuesday, December 8th. Hey there, you. How you doing? How you feeling? It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Lots to do, as we always do. 60 minutes to run through it all, so let's get right into it. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And uh, among the bullet points today, right, the Giants have some company atop the NFC East. The Jets coaching opening, bringing about a a big name. And I know this is going to come as a shock, but Greg Williams got fired yesterday. I know, it's crazy, right? But uh, let's start with the uh, the football on the field, because yesterday uh, you had a couple of Monday night games. I guess one was kind of like mid-afternoon, late afternoon, Monday mid-afternoon football, then you had the regular Monday night football game last night, and Washington able to go into Pittsburgh and get a win, and in some ways, uh, almost more surprising, I guess. Maybe it's not, it's not as impressive as the giant win in Seattle to me, but the fact that Washington, down 14 nothing, they get the field goal right before the half, but even with that, I mean, they got a big fourth down stop at the goal line, down 7 nothing. you think, all right, Let's see, you know, I didn't have a lot of high hopes that Washington was going to be able to go into Pittsburgh and get a win, but when you get that fourth down stop, maybe that swings the momentum, but it didn't because, uh, you know, Washington basically does nothing with the football, gives it back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh comes right back down the field, gets a big touchdown, uh, and it's 14 nothing. and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, that one's yeah, right, 14 nothing for the team that's perfect on the season even though at 11-0, I've never felt like the Steelers were at an 11-0 juggernaut, right? Like, usually if you get to 11-0 in an NFL season, that's the team that is the prohibitive team to beat. Uh, I've never really gotten that sense with the Steelers this year. Now they're a contender, but if I had to put my money on anybody, I think most of us would put our money on the Chiefs even uh, with their one loss as opposed to the Steelers with none up until last night. But Washington gets the field goal right before the end of the half, And it almost feels like, in some ways, the Steelers just kind of fell asleep in the second half. Now, all credit goes to Washington. As I said, more surprising, maybe, uh, than the Giants going into Seattle and winning the game the way they did. But the Giants, to me, that was much more of a true result. Like, the Giants controlled that game in Seattle. And even though the Seahawks made it interesting down the stretch... The right team won that game. I'm not saying that the right team didn't win, but it felt like up 14-0 that the Steelers kind of let the foot off the gas a little bit. But look, all credit to Washington. They lose uh, uh, Antonio Gibson, didn't re- couldn't really run the ball all night, and Alex Smith carving up the Pittsburgh D. So uh, credit to them, an important win to get them to five now. Everything still favors the Giants. I'm sure that there will be Giant fans that will say, oh, you know, they could have lost that game. If Washington would have lost that game last night, the division basically would be yours. And I, I can see that, but the division race still overwhelmingly favors you, right? You have the tiebreaker, so that's huge. And you'd have to say the schedules kind of favor you as well. Like the last four games, which schedule would you rather have the last four games? Would you rather play the Niners, still have to play the Seahawks, the Panthers, and the Eagles, or would you rather play the Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys? If it's me, I'd much rather have the Giants schedule. The Cardinals, at this point, with Kyler Murray, it certainly seems like starting to 
wear down over the course of the NFL season. He has not been the same player since he injured his shoulder a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Browns have been very, very good. I think that's a tough game. But the Ravens are, are not, you know, what you generally think of the Ravens to be. Again, not, I'm not saying you, you blow them out, but, you know. Uh, and then the Cowboys. Uh, I think I'd probably rather, hmm, would you rather face the Eagles or the Cowboys? I think I'd rather probably face the Eagles. But that first schedule, the, the uh, Washington schedule, Niners, I, I, they didn't really show last night, but they're, they're you know, a tough physical team. Seahawks still having to beat them. I think out of all those teams, well, maybe the Browns are the best team. I don't know. Seahawks are probably the best team out of that bunch. So I would rather have the Giants schedule. You have the tiebreaker. And, uh, but look, you have a race in the NFC East. It's been the, the punchline all year. But there is a bit of a race, and there's clearly a separation now because it's either going to be Giants or Washington that wins that division because the Eagles and Cowboys, it's almost like a race to the bottom to see who's worse. All right, so you have the NFC East race, and we'll certainly touch on that, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, and then you have the New York Jets. As I always say, you know, like you every day, if you're hosting a show or if you're, you're just a sports fan, you know, you look at the back page, you see what's on uh, the various websites, and it's amazing. For a team that is 0-12, every day we go to the Jets tree and we look to see what fruit is available on that Jet tree. And every day there's, there's more than enough, ample fruit provided to all of us. And we pick it clean. And then the next day, somehow, against all odds, the Jets are able to find a way to come up with something new to get us to talk about. So yesterday... Uh, it was that they fired Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, and also the story out there that Bill Cower has uh, his name has been floated as a possible head coach after the season when Adam Gase is clearly going to be fired, if not before. And uh, the way Bill Cower's name has been floated is uh, basically from Bill Cower. But let's start with Greg Williams because he was fired yesterday, and I got to say, I mean, he should have probably gotten a raise. I mean, he was the one guy who saved the Jets from themselves. I mean, think about that. The Jets almost blew it on Sunday. They all, everybody's talking about how the Jets did blow No, they almost blew it. They almost actually won a game against all odds. And to me, the fact that Adam Gase has still the ability to fire anyone in the organization, that should be concerning to you. Like, at this point... Shouldn't he have to, like, go to ownership and say, well, you know, we're going to fire this person for this reason? And I would feel like if you were in ownership, you know what? Uh, Why don't we just hold off on everything for a couple of weeks? You know what? We have a big announcement in a couple of weeks, and I uh, I think it will take care of everything that you're looking for, Adam. So the fact that he still has the ability to fire anyone, uh, I don't know. If you, if you had, like, you know, like a Q rating, like for people who, uh, you know, their favorability rating in general, if you went to Jet fans right now, it wouldn't be hard to have a, a Q rating higher than Adam Gase. But I think clearly, even by, and I'm not saying he did it intentionally. Of course not. He's not doing it intentionally. But if, if you asked any Jet fan, who do you have a higher opinion of? The guy who single-handedly called the one play that would wreck a game in Greg Williams, or your head coach in Adam Gase. I don't even think it'll be, it would be a blowout. It would be an, you know, we talked about when we used to do the poll questions about 90%. I think it would be 90% that the higher rating would go to uh, Greg Williams. And really, I guess you would, you'd probably say 
that all Adam Gaze did yesterday by firing Greg Williams was allowing him to get like a jump start on finding his next job. Like they're both going to be looking for jobs very soon, but like Greg Williams at least has like a 10 minute head start. So, uh, and, and for, it's funny because I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, if Adam Gase didn't like that play call, why didn't he call a timeout and change it and care about the defense? When has Adam Gase shown any or has ever been, uh, you know, held up to scrutiny about the performance of the Jets' defense? That's the reason why Adam Gase really has had the easiest job in the NFL because all he has ever, since the moment he got here, he had one job from, it seems like, ownership, certainly from the fan base, and that was to develop the quarterback. That was it. And, and, and think about how you know, open-ended that term is, develop the quarterback. He I mean, they could have not been a good team and still he would have been able to sell you, you know what, there has been progress in terms of the quarterback. His, he's done such a bad job, he can't even do that. He can't convince you there's been any progress. The quarterback's been abysmal and has regressed, either regressed in areas or just keeps making the same mistakes time and time again. So uh, the fact that people are, oh, why didn't Adam Gase call a timeout? Because that would, that would mean that he was actually focusing on Anything the defense has – think about in the two years that Adam Gase has been here. How many times you've been watching a game, the Jets are getting blown out, and they'll show Adam Gase, and, like, he's sitting on the bench, like, not even paying attention to what – because the defense is out on the field. There's been countless times. Or he's off doing something, you know, that has – the game is going on right now. But here's Adam sitting on, this, on the bench, you know, drawing on his play sheet and all – you know. He ne- there's never been – a single game where the Jet defense has let them down over the last two years and anyone has pointed to Adam Gase, it's always been you know, the defensive coordinator that's gotten the heat for that. It's never been the head coach, and he's supposed to be the head coach of the entire team. So I, if I were a Jet fan, my only concern would be, all right, does this hurt or help the quest to go 0-16? And, and I don't know that I – and again, look, it's not going to – at this point, 0-16 is almost a certainty. As much as I would like to use this platform to put into the universe some kind of reverse jinx that would allow the Jets to win a game and then be picking second in the draft. That, I mean, I would, if I had the ability to do that, I would do that. But I don't have that ability. But 0-16 at this point is almost a certainty. I've been, I mean, how long have I been saying, even, I predate even Ray is coming on as the producer of the show, that there's a 99.999% chance the Jets are going to get the number one pick. So I would just be concerned of, it's not like it's going to move the needle uh, greatly in one direction or another. I think that this move probably hurts the chance of 0-16. Because, like, the guy who's coming out, what is it, Frank Bush? I mean, he's going to want to try and – it's not like he's going to be belligerent to the point that Greg Williams was on Sunday by just saying, yeah, this is what I do. Uh, go, go get the quarterback on this, this basically, you know, second-to-last play of the game and allow a 45-yard touchdown pass with five seconds to go. Um, but I, I don't think it really moves the needle one way or another all that much. I guess it probably – Hurts the chance, but then again, you got four games left. You're not winning any of them anyway. Uh, Bill Cower, his name has emerged as having interest in the Jets' 
head coaching opening. Now, it's not official as of yet, but it's all but as I mean, it can't get much more official without becoming official, right? Like 0-12, a disaster of a program. Two years now where the one thing that the, the coach had to do was develop the quarterback. And there are times in games where the quarterback looks like he's never played football before. So, yeah, it's going to be an opening. And Bill Cowher's name has emerged. It's not open yet. So we're going to go through this silly dance of, you know, Boomer and floating out. You know, Bill might have some. Yeah, clearly. Where do you think that he might have gotten that information from? Gee, I wonder. I don't think it would happen. But I have to be honest. I don't think it's the worst thing that I've ever heard. Now, I don't think it will happen because when Adam Gase gets fired, I would think that Joe Douglas is going to be the guy that leads the search. Certainly, let's hope so. Right after what the uh, the Johnsons have come up with the last time, I mean, let let's hope that Joe Douglas at least kind of points them in the right direction. Because again, if it goes wrong again, who's going to be the fall guy the next time? It's probably not going to be the coach. It's probably going to be the GM. So usually, when you're floating your name, it's because they're really not interested in you. So I think that that's kind of the you know think about all the times that Bill Cowher's name came up in the times where the Giants were either maybe going to be in the search for a head coach or were in the search for a head coach. It seems like it came up a lot, and it seems like that came much more from his uh, side. You know, the Giants doesn't seem like ever interested in actually hiring Bill Cowher. I don't think it's crazy, and I'll say this for the one one area. You know, in 96, when they went 1-15— they went out and they got Bill Parcells, right? Like they went the respected veteran head coach who you know can do the job, you know, brings in credibility, brings in a resume. So I could see inexperienced – I can't even say they're inexperienced owners because they've owned the team for like 20 years. But I could see owners who have really struggled in the past at least saying, you know what, give me a guy who at least I know can do the job for, you know, for all the names that will be floated out there, you know, the Eric Bieniemies, the Joe Brady's, this one or that one, you know, whoever the hot assistant coach is, you don't know for sure that that person will be definitely a good head coach and can overcome the obstacles that the Jets, even with, you know, the number one pick in the draft, are, are almost certainly going to have. You would think that someone who has at least had some experience would be able to negotiate those landmines that clear, you know, there's the dysfunction you see in an organization, and then there has to be clearly far more dysfunction that you don't see within an organization. I think that Bill Cower, you know, with his, his resume, his, uh, his coaching experience, might be uh, a little bit better, uh, you know, designed to kind of withstand all that kind of dysfunction behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, right, he's been out of coaching for 15 years. He's 63 years old. You want someone not that just is going to come in next year and put his stamp on the team, but you're hoping that the next guy is going to be here for a while, like, like for 10 years, right? Like if you're drafting Trevor Lawrence number one, you're hoping he's going to be here for 10 years, and you're hoping the coach is going to be with him for 10 years. So for, for my taste, I think that Bill Cowher has been out of the game uh, for too long. Now that said – I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever heard, mainly because I've heard and I've seen Adam Gase, right? Like, how can it be any worse than that? So there's really no name that you're going to – I don't care who it really is. It could be Magic 8-Ball. If Magic 8-Ball's name gets mentioned, and he's sitting right here, Magic 8-Ball, do you think that you should be mentioned as one of the uh, Jets' head coaching possibilities? Let's see what Magic 8-Ball has to say. Hold on here. 
It is the Fugazi uh, Magic 8-Ball that always comes up with the, It's always on the side of the die for whatever reason. I, I, I must I should have probably invested a little bit better. Uh, uh, oh, what is it? Yes, just a simple yes for Magic 8-Ball. So, yes, Magic 8-Ball feels like. And look. Magic 8-Ball would not be worse, right? Like Magic 8-Ball, if you put it on the sidelines and just had like a designated shaker, maybe Greg Williams can come in and just shake up the the Magic 8-Ball. How could it be any worse? You're 0-12. The worst that Magic 8-Ball could do is go 0-12. Magic 8-Ball is not going to lose 13 games when you've only played 12. So, uh, look, whoever's name comes up as a possibility is almost certainly going to be better than what you have right now. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the phone number. One other thing, uh, like when we're talking about Bill Cower, the reason why Bill Cower would be uh, reportedly interested in the job was because he views it as the best job opening, even though it's not open yet. Uh, that's the best job to go get. I would think that of the available jobs this offseason, the Chargers job, I think, is still... I mean, the quarterback is already in place there. It's pretty clear he's going to be a big-time player. Uh, And, and, you know, for all the talk about the Jets, you know, they're going to have the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence seems like uh, can't miss. Jets, well, we'll see about that. Uh, He seems like he can't miss. And you have cap space. They have all these picks. You know, that's the easy... That's easy to do. Clearing out cap space... And trading away your players for draft picks, that's easy to do. It, the, the work is still to be done. The work has not begun as of yet. So all these things, you know, it's easy to do that. The Jaguars are, have done that too. The Jaguars have a ton of picks to come and, and all this cap space. Now, they don't have the quarterback, and it certainly doesn't seem like they have the line uh, as well as the Jets do because the Jets are going to get the number one pick, putting it out there in the universe as much as I can. The Jets are going to get the number one pick. But this idea that, you know, wow, look at how attractive of a spot this is. All you've done is the most easy thing in the world. You know, you you basically knocked down the house, right? You've bought this house that's on a plot of land because you like the plot of land, and you've knocked down the house. Yeah, okay, great. Now, but now you've got to start building the new house. Uh, and also, I love that the that one of the reasons given, you know, Cowher's wife loves the Jets. That's weird. Like here, the guy has been he's been a coach and was a coach of a of an organization was the like, that's your out. His wife had an out to get out of being this Jet fan, which I'm assuming she was before she met Bill Cowher. She had the perfect out. Well, you know, I used to be a Jet fan, but my husband coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's your out. That's your way of, of, of getting out of uh, being this, you know. There's not many legitimate outs. Like if your son plays for a team that you didn't grow up rooting for, well, there's your out. Like if, if my son ever were to grow up and play in the NFL, which doesn't seem like it's a real possibility right now, but if he did, I would finally be able to get out of my misery of the last 30 to 40 years of rooting for the Miami Dolphins. And I'm praying for that. Praying, but I don't think that's going to happen. But here, this, this uh, Bill Cowher's wife had that opening and for whatever reason didn't take it. Uh, to me, that's a, a character flaw. Character flaw. Speaking of character flaws, let's go to Omar and Bro. Omar, what's going on, my buddy? How are you, buddy? Oh, you're all giddy today. Your bills and uh, Josh Allen's looking good and not turning the ball over. Oh, fantastic. Okay, now, first I want to get a comment out of you. 
yesterday for the first time. Really, I, I'm honest. I watch a lot of games. We, I can be extra hype about this. But you? Yesterday, uh-huh. yesterday they they played a perfect game. And you know what? I was uh, I was worried about it because San Francisco has a physical running game, and that is their weakness. Right. They cover that weakness. So that was a big game for them to show in a prime time that they can cover the running team. That was their uh, weakness in the beginning of the season. They have started to cover that season. That's how you develop as a team what your weakness is at the end of the season before you go to the playoffs. And now the offense running smooth. Their weakness is covered. They have a good cornerback. Let's get in. They have experience of the playoff from last year. Let's get it rolling. They have, they have done. That's all of you guys want to do. Go to the playoff first year. Try to win the division this year. Then go to the playoff at the highest beam at this particular. They still have three or four games. Uh, let me see if they continue to grow up. But that's how everybody wants to build up. And the quarterback gaining momentum every day, becoming better every year, becoming better every game, becoming better. The coach, great coach. That's why I said the teams that are in the playoffs in NFL special, look at the coaches. That is the history. McDermott is in three years, in the fourth year, going to be three years in the playoffs. He is a quarterback. Pittsburgh, he's a coach. Pittsburgh, he's a coach. The Orleans Saints coach. They say he's putting a stamp that he's a very head coach. I like your Miami Dolphins coach too. Uh, he's gaining momentum too. Let's see what happens. But I am. I wanted to call you that I heard yesterday that five to eight is going to be Chris Canty. So what are you going to? Well, decide? it's not going to be just Chris I miss Canty. Your show. I love I, Canty. Where should I but it's going to be. It's going to be Rick, Chris, and Dave. Yeah. Huh? It's going to be Rick, Chris, and Dave. It's not just Chris Canty. Yeah, no, I know. Chris Canty, Rick, and yes. uh, I, I just mentioned. I know the, all okay. of the. But what, what are you uh, like? Five to eight? Are you going to be from one out to five, or you just? Uh, going to I'm be not. With them, I, we don't know. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, updates during uh, some of the national shows right now. Some other things have been floated as possibilities, but nothing has been finalized as of yet. So uh, we'll just kind of see how things shake out. But as of but, uh, as of uh, January fourth, uh, that will be Rick, Chris, and Dave that come in uh, at five, and and they work until eight. Where can I complain? Where can you complain? I mean, yes, you, I won't go to complain anywhere, my friend. I can well, I mean, look, you, 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 I mean, I'm sure you know the people that uh, you know that run the station. If you want to, you know, send off uh, an email or something like that, that's very, very nice of you. You know, Ryan Hurley is the uh, the you program know, director. The I'm, not, I'm, I... I'm not, I'm not advising you to do that. But if that's the, if you want to complain to somebody, that would be uh, the person to uh, to send it to. Uh, about the Knicks, right? Uh, no, you would send to him complaints about me. No, the Knicks, you complained about to the Knicks. No, no, I, <laughs> no, no. no I'm not complaining. Okay. You heard about uh, He's raving about Kevin Dodd. He's hitting a jump shot. He's yeah. looking good. Well, he's built up. Look, we got, we, got, we got a long way to go. I love Omar, but uh, we got a long way to go before, um, you know, we, we start worrying about Kevin Knox. All right? So, uh, you know, look, the Knicks uh, – it's, it, I know Omar is not going to want to hear this. The plan for the Knicks, I've, come th- I've run the numbers and I've come up with what it should be. It should be to lose every game that they possibly can and just get back in the lottery and hope that this year the ping pong balls go your way. The ping pong balls have been anti-Knicks in the past. Maybe, the, maybe finally, right? 
2020 has been this brutal year where it seems like up is down, white is black. Everything is the opposite. Maybe this is the year. And now the lottery wouldn't be until 2021, but who knows? You got to take a shot. You got to take a shot. All right, 1 800 919 ESPN is the phone number, 1 800 919 3776. Did I tell you it's the most wonderful time of the year? And the Michael K. Show holiday broadcast is back. This year, we are giving you the chance to hit the airwaves with Michael, Don, and Peter with your holiday hot take. Everyone's got them, so fire one off. Omar certainly got some that are out there. Uh, for your chance to win some holiday spending cash and your way on the air during the Michael K. Show holiday broadcast Wednesday, December 16th. Dial in to the Holiday Hot Take Hotline right now, 347-974-ESPN. That's 347-974-3776. And leave us a message with what your best hot take is. I would suggest, you know, practice it once or twice. And if it's it has to be your, your go-to move, right? Like it has to be the one that you've kind of practiced in the past. But I would say give it a little run-through before you, you hit the phone line with it. Four winners will each score 250 bucks and a shot at the spotlight during the show with the biggest name in sports, the Michael K. Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, coming up. I mean, we're already, I let Omar go way too long, but, I, you know, I just he's, uh, he's, he's fantastic most of the time. Today, eh. How would you, Santiago, how would you rate Omar in terms of Omar today? I'd give him about a 7. A 7 out of 10? Eh, I'd, go, I'd go like uh, maybe 5.5. I didn't think it was, you know, after the Bills when I thought he was going to have more in, the, uh, more in the bag. But eh, we'll see. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. Coming up, we have to get to the Regal Tumble as well as it's Tuesday. That means it is time for NFL pros that are the opposite of power rankings. Poop rankings. So we'll do that for week 14 coming up as well. Washington has first and 10 at the 15. Snap to Smith. Bringing five. Throws to Logan Thomas. Wide open. Touchdown. Obviously, week to week, you're trying to win every single game. But for us to continue to keep improving and keep growing, and I really feel like this team has done that uh, as the season has gone on, you know, and, and it, it doesn't stop. You've got to kind of keep that same mindset going. You know, luckily, we're still in it at this point, but continue to keep improving and find a way to win a game. You know, you want to be playing your best football come this time of year. And we knew this was going to kind of be this brand of football coming up here, playing Pittsburgh in December. We knew, we knew it was going to be a little bit ugly. Proud of our, our team, I think, to, to find a way to win this game like that. Especially as young as we are, I think it showed a lot of maturity. All right, so there you go. The call from 980 The Team in Washington. Alex Smith already, I mean... What's more of a certainty, the Jets fire Adam Gase or Alex Smith is the comeback player of the year? I mean, that. what's more of a certainty? I think it's, I mean, even as bad as Gase has been, I think it's probably more that Alex Smith is going to be the comeback player of the year, right? You'd have to probably be putting your money down on that. So there you go, Alex Smith, your moment of inspiration for this Tuesday morning. Uh, hey, don't miss Disney's new movie, Safety, inspired by a true story of Clemson football safety, Ray McElrathby, starting streaming uh, exclusively on Disney Plus on December 11th. All right, we got a lot of stuff to do. It is the Gordon Damer Show, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. You know what, quickly, let me get to uh, Mike in Staten Island. He has a quick question about the Yankees. Mike, go, my man. Hey, Gordon, how are you, man? I- I'm good. I just wanted to say, first off, I love your show, man. It's like a, it's a travesty that you're not going to be on the I air. appreciate hey, that, man. We'll yeah, see what happens. Really Let's see what happens when it all shakes out. 
All right. You always needed more than an hour. This is I, I, Look, man. I completely agree. I could do the whole day. If I, if I had the chance, if it were up to me, Mike, I would do the whole day. I know. So, listen, what do you think the Yankees are going to do? I know everyone's saying everyone's holding tight to their wallets. They're pretty quiet. They haven't even signed LeMahieu yet. I thought that was, like, step one. Yeah, I think, and Mike, thanks for the call, because as I said, i got a lot of stuff to do. In terms of the Yankees, I think that they will eventually re-sign LeMayhew. I don't like that it's taken this long, but you know what? Nothing has really happened as of yet, right? Like, nothing really, you know, there's a little trade here, there's a little signing there, but even the Mets, who, I mean, you know, all the talk was that Steve Cohen is going to come in here and just, you know, reach into the holsters for both of his, uh, his checkbooks, they haven't done anything yet. So mo- most teams have not done anything yet. I know that Brian Cashman and the Yankees front office are not, they're not off for the holidays, right? Like they're working on things. So I do think that they will eventually come to terms with LeMahieu. And I think that they will put a representative team on the field. Now, will it be enough? Will they, will they do, you know, will they go all in on a season? I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to break the bank. But I, I'm waiting to see. Before I criticize what they do, let's see what they do, right? Like, once, if they ever were to lose DJ LeMahieu, then you'd be upset. But let's see what ends up happening. And, and, and not, you know, like, they, they do have a bit of a track record of being at least able to put a representative team on the field and making moves that maybe you don't expect. I would expect something along those lines where it's names that you're not hearing floated out there all that often. But let's see what they end up doing. Uh, I, I do get the sense, though, that they're going to rely on, you know, the pandemic and money loss to kind of, you know, shortchange what is the window of opportunity, which is open right now. All right. Let's get to uh, day number 34. It is the Regal Tumble. It is the Gordon Damer Show. And uh, yesterday we got to uh, what I thought was going to be a real contender. And if you were a fan of the series, boy, oh, boy. Very shocking that the Shield, right in the ring and right out of the ring. Very disappointing uh, performance by Vic Mackey. So I guess maybe just not enough people watch that series. And, and, and so often people want a series that wraps up well. There are few series that come to a more satisfying ending than the Shield. But, and it comes, out it goes. And again, who's to blame for the Shield not doing well? It's not me. It's you. It's the voting public. It's all you people whose tastes are all over the map. My taste game is flawless. We've pointed this out thousands of times. All right, so not really. I, I'm a little surprised as well that everybody, maybe I shouldn't be, everybody loves Raymond. Apparently everybody, well, not everybody, but a whole bunch of people do absolutely love everyone loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. I keep saying everyone loves Raymond, but it's everybody loves Raymond. So everybody loves Raymond is still in there. Everyone loves Raymond is not. Everybody. Uh, so they're still in there. Obviously, the other two uh, powerhouses that have been in there are, of course, The Office, which, uh, since it's gotten its re-entry into the field, is really cleaned up. It was doing pretty well the first time. So we'll see if they can make it all the way to the semifinals. And then the other show is, of course, Family Guy, which is not one of my shows, but look, it's up to you people. You're the voters. But today, I said last week, now we are really going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Big shows are coming up. One of them enters today. Let's find out with who it is that enters the field of the Regal Tumble.
Well, when you talk about like a Hall of Fame case, you have to always balance two things. The player's peak as well as their longevity. Some players have a very high peak, but they only, you know, played five seasons or something like that. Some played a very, very long time, but they've never gotten to the peaks of what you would normally associate with like a Hall of Fame type player. So I kind of go through the same case when it comes to the Regal Tumble when you're talking about the greatest television show of all time. And you'd have to say, in terms of peak, in terms of longevity, The Simpsons very well could win this entire thing. I mean, in terms of its peak, mm. yes, oh, it's right at the top. And in terms of, I mean, 32 seasons, se- almost 700 episodes, the characters, the references. And this is not a show that got to benefit from being back in the 60s or 70s. This is not the flavor of the month. This is a show that has performed during what you would like to think of as peak TV. So there you go. The four entries for today, really going to probably uh, shake it up pretty well in terms of the, uh, the Regal Tumble. The uh, shows are The Simpsons, The Office, Family Guy, and Everybody Loves Raymond. So uh, we got three, uh, or no, four comedies there. So sitcom, I guess, uh, is, is, uh, is Family Guy considered a sitcom? Because it's a cartoon. I don't know if uh, The Simpsons would be considered a sitcom. Well, yeah, whatever The Simpsons is, it's in the same category. Yeah, those two, yeah, you would have to think that those two, and look, they might end up splitting the vote, right? More young people would probably go family guys. Look guy at you because, bringing back the cartoon wars. Yeah, the, the Simpsons, I, you'd have to say they are probably past their peak. And not even probably. They, they're past their they're peak. probably past their the peak, peak was, about 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, I mean, but their peak was very, very high. Like, you could come off their peak and still be a very, uh, you know, influential show and all those type of things so look we'll see how it plans uh, how it pans out today but those are the four shows the simpsons everybody loves raymond the office and family guy you can vote on the regal tumble it is up on twitter at gordon damer all right let's get to uh, it is tuesday and you know what that means you know it means it is time for nfl poop rankings for week 14 already oh my goodness how fast the nfl season flies by and this is you know all these other shows are focused on who's the best in the NFL, right? I told you a month ago, probably more so than that, that the, the MVP this year is going to be Patrick Mahomes. They floated Russell Wilson. They floated Kyler Murray. They floated this one or that one. Now they're trying to make it like Aaron Rodgers has a chance. No. The people who vote on NFL MVP, they're, they, it's the most basic group of, of people. that they, It's always the most obvious choice. So they will absolutely go with Patrick Mahomes. But all these other shows, they focus on the power rankings of who's the best. We like to hear do a little bit opposite. We don't want to be like all the other shows. Maybe we should have been. Um, But let's get to who's the worst. And let's start with number five. Lots of comp. I mean, there's been a lot of competition for who's the worst in football. But at number five, we will start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Whoa, right? The Jaguars only at number five. They only have one win. They're still competing. The only other team to be competing in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But you know what? The Jaguars compete every single week. And they should, I mean, if I were running the Jaguars, I would immediately hire Greg Williams. Like, if, I, if I'm the Jaguars, I want to get that number one pick. What can I do? Even if it's only improving my odds slightly. Bring in the guy who has almost single-handedly clinched the spot for the Jets. That would be Greg Williams. I'd be trying to hire Adam Gase away. We'll give you a fourth-round pick. 
This way we can overtake the Jets. Think outside the box, Jaguars. And Doug Marone, what are you doing? Stop making it so close. They lose in overtime. They lost by two to the Browns. They lost by, I think, like four or five to the Packers. The Texans they lost by two. Stop this immediately. Stop trying. Everybody stop right where you are. It's ridiculous that the Jaguars are only number five. All right, moving on. Number four. Well, look, I don't really think that they probably belong in this mix. There's probably stronger teams that you could go with. But anytime you lose 45 nothing and look as, as inept as you did, you have to include the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that's the first time that I've ever actually called them the Los Angeles Chargers on the first go-round. I've, I, for two years now, I've been calling them the San Diego Chargers still. And you know what the crazy thing was? They were actually favored. I saw on Sunday they were favored on FanDuel by a point. They Rookie quarterback going up against Bill Belichick and favored. And Anthony Lynn and Bill Belichick, that's, that's a pretty good mismatch there as well. And their special teams, I mean, their special teams was as hot a mess as you, it was a white hot mess. It, what, what's the hottest you can be? Blue hot? White hot? I don't know what it is. The Chargers were that hot. They say that they're going to wait until the end of the season to evaluate their coaching situation. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what that, I wonder how long that evaluation will, the season ended? Okay, Anthony Lynn's fired. Uh, all right, so they're number four, the Chargers on the poop list. No, excuse me. Uh, number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. There you go. Uh, what a, I mean, they are brutal to watch. If, it, if you were just judging things by your eyes, the Eagles might be number one. Everything's a mess. I mean, Doug Peterson, he must be so jealous of Greg Williams right now because it almost seems like he's trying to get fired. Like, they don't have a whole lot of weapons. I will agree that the Eagles, you know, in terms of, of weapons, it's not exactly the deepest uh, core, uh, the deepest group in the league. But on the first drive, on the opening drive on Sunday, they gave Miles Sanders, who you'd have to say is pretty high up on their list of weapons, they gave him five carries on the first drive. I think he wound up the entire game with ten carries. I mean, that's just that's just outrageous. Yeah, just Let's see if Carson throwing the ball time and time and time again, maybe he'll find it. He has So far, he has not found the rhythm. His rhythm is like my rhythm, uh, and it's not good. If you've seen me on the dance floor, it's not good. All right, so the Eagles, they are number three. Number two would be the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Bengals might not score another touch. If you are going from this point in time, the Bengals, if you were just starting right this moment for poop rankings, the Bengals would be number one. Since Joe Burrow has gone down, they have been horrible. Like when they score a touchdown, it's like against all odds, man. It is the most... uh, you, you, you almost can't believe what you're seeing. They are that bad. And their offensive line, they legitimately, if they could carve out statues of offensive linemen and just plop them down on the field, it might be more effective. Because at least you can't just push your way through this. Like, say the statue is made of, like, concrete. You'd actually have to run around the statue. Most of the times on Sundays, the defenders just run directly through their offensive linemen and they put up absolutely no fight whatsoever. So number two on the poop list would be the Cincinnati Bengals. And then who? I'm, Cowboys? 
No. Bears? No. Lions. No, no. I know you're probably guessing. Who could it be? Who could be the worst team? It's the Jets. Yeah, it's still the Jets. We, we've been doing this now for more than half the season, and it's, it's, oh, it's been the Jets from the start. It has always been the Jets, and it will continue to be the Jets. I mean, I don't understand. Uh, even if they were to win a game, that would only draw them even with the Jaguars. But the Jaguars, again, each and every week, they put up a fight. And the Jets put up a fight this week. Luckily for them, they had Greg Williams, who uh, took the fight and threw in the towel. All right, so there you go. Poop rankings for week 14 around the NFL. 1-800-919-ESPN. Excuse me. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number coming up. Uh, we will get to, to uh, your phone calls as well as a couple of uh, Yankee points that we did not to, to get to make uh, earlier in the show. So we'll do that as well. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Day number 34 of the Regal Tumble. The Simpsons entering the fray today. The uh, Regal Tumble up on Twitter at Gordon Damer, we've done poop rankings. We've got to the Jets and all the uh, news surrounding them. But you know what? We've not touched really all that much. Mike uh, in Staten Island called us about the Yankees before. But Michael K. had some interesting things, I guess, about the state of the negotiations, right? Like you're getting antsy, right? Because at this point, you want, you want something to happen. Especially when, in terms of decisions, bringing back D.J. LeMahieu is probably the easiest slam dunk decision, you know, not in terms of money or what it's going to cost or what the budget is, just in terms of a guy who's on your team. The Yankees don't lose guys on their team as good as DJ LeMahieu, who, since he's gotten here, has played at an MVP level. Last year, or two years ago now, was fourth in the, in the voting. This past year should have won the award, still came in third. So that's a guy that the Yankees don't lose. So here's Michael from yesterday of his show talking about the kind of the state of the negotiations with D.J. LeMahieu and the Yankees. Their number one priority, the organization wants to sign D.J. LeMahieu. Now, can I sit here and tell you that it's whatever cost, however however many years? No, I can't. But that is what they want. And everything else is going to play off of that. And from what I've heard, if they get LeMahieu, it's going to cost money, that might be the last big guy they get. So... If everybody thinks it's a fait accompli that Tanaka's coming back, I would really, really not hold my breath. There's a chance he might not come back. Pitching market now, where a guy like um, Drew Smiley gets $11 million, well, Tanaka's probably going to get much more than that. Now, he's going to get the 23 from last year. No, but the Yankees are determined to get under the luxury cap, which is 210. So if they get LeMayu, who's going to cost about 20. The days of Tanaka could be over, and the Yankees will go with their young pitchers or if they could get somebody on a bargain basement deal with all the free agents out there. So, yeah, for all Yankee fans that are worried about LeMayu, the Yankees have essentially said, listen, we want you, but if there's going to be somebody out there, this is not what they said, but if there's going to be somebody out there that blows them out of the water, the Yankees are not going to be irresponsible and just match the offer, although they really do want him and they realize how great he is. But if they get him, I think Tanaka's gone. So there's Michael from his show yesterday. Uh, look, uh, that's a deal I think most Yankee fans, you know, Tanaka, you, you dealt with Tanaka, and he, he's been a good Yankee. But part of his value has been, you know, regular season, he's a stabilizing force. But in the postseason, he's like this postseason ace. He's not really been that the last few years. There's, there's been slippage there. So, look, if the Yankees decide to bring back um, 
you know, Tanaka as the fifth starter or the four, you know, some back end of the rotation where they're not really relying on him. Okay, fine, whatever that cost is, but he's not, he should not be what the Yankees are using as, you know, a big part of the rotation at this point. Go take a look. He's just been kind of mediocre and certainly has been touched up in the playoffs and has certainly been susceptible to the long ball time and time and time again. All right, uh, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. I think it's Anthony in Staten Island. Anthony, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning. Um, you know, to me, I, look, I think that, you know, DJ's obviously and his team, is gonna, they're going to go out, they're going to see what's out there, and they're going to get offers. And, and I think the Yankees are going to either match that or, 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 or uh, see whether or not he really wants to be a Yankee. Now, look, if some team comes out there and does something ridiculous, then, you know, good luck to him. I mean, obviously I love the guy. The guy's one of the only hitters out there that makes contact, can hit the ball, you know, uh, gap to gap, you know, and you love that. But, I mean, you, you can't pay someone, you know, anything, right? And, and I think that we saw that, I mean, not to compare him to Robinson Cano at all because I love DJ LeMayu much more. But, you know, some team came out and gave him some crazy number. The Yankees passed, and it, it worked out. So, um, you know, that and – you know, I, I think um, we'll probably see a little bit of a bounce back here from Sanchez, um, you know, but I like Higgy, and more importantly, Cole likes Higgy, and so I, I don't think that I'd be entertaining any catching. Like, that that would be how I would set up catching. We've got to find some pitching. That, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, well, look, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, you know, it, it's all about how it impacts the plan, and, and Anthony, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, if some team goes out there and offers D.J. LeMahieu a six-year contract, uh, at uh, $25 million a, a year. I can't really blame the Yankees for not going there, and I can't really blame DJ Le- I certainly can't blame DJ LeMahieu for going there. You know, if, if the Blue Jays come up to him and say, we'll give you five years at, at $25 million, and the Yankee offer is four years at $20 million, well then, if he's looking, you know, I, I can't really blame him for, for making that move. But I don't think, I think that the Yankees will probably bring back, bring back LeMahieu, but the problem is, is they, they can't just stop there. This idea that the Yankees lost all this money, oh, and the, the, I, again, they're not going to create some side hustles where they're going to, you know, they're not going to turn Yankee Stadium into condominiums if the Yankees go out there and put, you know, the representative amount of moves on the field. This is their window of opportunity. Whatever happened to being the Yankees? I mean, let's get back to being the Yankees here and, and shoot the locks off the wallet and, and go after it because... The future, as we've seen in 2020, the future is promised to no one. So the, the, the downturn could be coming a lot quicker than you think, and this is the time to make things happen. All right, this is no longer the time for me to make things happen because the show's over. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.